coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Monday to you. Oh, look, another gray, foggy-ish, rainy-ish, drizzly-ish day in the ATL. <laughs> Still ready for... <laughs> Not just the turn of the calendar. It feels like this is like the 56th day of January, right? Uh, I'm ready for spring in a really bad way. Ready for spring. Uh, I may be having that seasonal affective disorder that uh, I hear people talk about. And I don't know that I've ever noticeably experienced it before, but it's certainly kicking my tail this year. I don't know about you guys. Anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. Hate to bring the gray and gloom to you. Well, I mean, it's all around us, so it's not really my fault necessarily, but uh, let's dive right into the Ron show. Uh, when we left last week, we were talking uh, about our expectations of the police cam video and even saw some street light camera video of the uh, Tyree Nichols arrest beating uh, prior to his dying in police custody. And we were getting prepared by all sorts of folks to be ready for what we were going to see and hopeful and, and and of course globally i guess the hope was the reaction from the public wouldn't lead to unrest and violence and i'm proud to say that that is the case although it's a weird flex <laughs> it's a weird flex right to live in a country where this sort of thing happens too frequently and we're asked, pleaded to, honestly, not to react to violence and the exposure of violence with a violent reaction. So, in this case, does this make us the bigger, the bigger person, societally speaking? I don't know. Uh, I know that what what I saw, we all saw, over the course of the weekend with the release of those videos was troubling, to say the least, disgusting, abhorrent, animal-like behavior from, again, men who were sworn to serve and protect the people. And there's a lot of blowback from folks who had been defending police brutality before, well, I thought this was a white supremacy problem. These officers are all black. It's not that simple. And when you find yourself having to have a dialogue with folks who defend the status quo, defend the system, air quotes, it's a nuanced argument that gets lost on them. It just is. And in the African-American community, I can imagine that there's still a sense of white supremacy rearing its head through this occurrence, despite the fact that the five officers who were fired and have been charged with second-degree murder are black. They are employed or were employed in a system that has historically been disparately unkind to people of color. That's just a fact. And personally, I don't care 
if the officer is black or brown or yellow or white, if and until we see evidence that this sort of behavior from officers is inflicted upon people who aren't of color, I still have to wonder, what sort of people is this profession attracting? It's really time to discuss the kind of people that law enforcement attracts when this result keeps showing itself far too often. I will say this, and I don't know if it's because, you know, let, me just, let me just get into this. There seems to be a near universal outrage, finally, at police overreach in the United States. Now, we can speculate as to why that finally seems to be in this case. Is it the entirety of these officers scrutinized are themselves men of color? But maybe, maybe now we can have substantive societal dialogue about the type of personality drawn to the profession that yields us officers like the sick bastards currently charged with second-degree murder. And the sixth, by the way, who finally lost his job today. Who was tasing Tyree Nichols? He, by the way, a white officer. Not all cops have that set of character traits that I'm talking about, but it's clear and has been to a lot of us for quite a while now that those with a thirst for yielding authority seek out a badge. It's clear now, I'd hope, to many of us, that not enough of our law enforcement agencies are weeding out said types from among their recruits and ranks, and it's beyond time every agency began to. I mean, it may well lead to a shortage of officers, but we've seen how easy it is for a governor to call up the National Guard, by the way, in times of necessity, and I can think of no greater necessity than giving our law enforcement agencies all the time they need to eliminate the rotten apples in the barrels who never belonged in the profession from their payrolls while recruiting more of what the vast majority of our badged men and women are already. Dutiful, honest, community-minded, brave officers of the law sworn to serve and protect. I mean, surely there is a rigorous psychological means for every police chief and sheriff to examine their departments thoroughly through a lens of transparency and or in conjunction with an independent mediator or in compliance with a citizen's review board. This should be getting done in every department, if not now, going forward. We have to do this. Our society needs to regain its trust in our officers, and our officers who've earned that trust need to never again have to feel the cult-like tug of the lockstep to defend those in their ranks who've not earned nor are deserving of such community respect. Speaking of respect, I have a lot of respect for Georgia House Minority Leader James Beverly, who led today's House hearing with this. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I rise today uh, to honor Tyree Nichols. A son, father, avid skateboard enthusiast, a friend, more importantly, a man, a black man trying to get home. 
Tyree deserved to make it home. Eric Garner deserved to make it home. George Floyd deserved to make it home. But they didn't. Their fate was in the hands of officers who pledged to provide safety and stability to our communities. Their culture ate this man's life for dinner. Peter Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast, which means that no matter how well designed your strategic plan is, it will fall flat unless your team share the appropriate culture. Our culture, the Georgia House of Representatives will not stand idly by while injustice prevails. So I'm calling on this House, the Georgia House of Representatives in general, and the Georgia House Democratic Caucus specifically, to hold hearings to pass legislation so that this tragedy does not come to our state. I'm reminded by Dr. King's words, and I'll read it because I think it's very profound for this time. He said in 1963, now, that, now the other myth that gets around is the idea that legislation cannot really solve the problem and that it has no great role to play in this period of social change because you gotta change the heart and you can't change the heart through legislation. You can't legislate morals. The job must be done through education and religion. Well, there's half-truth involved here. Certainly, if the problem is to be solved, then in the final sense, hearts must be changed. Religion and education must play a great role in changing the heart, but we must go on to say that while it may be true that morality cannot be legislated, behavior can be regulated. It may be true that the law cannot change the heart, but it can restrain the heartless. It may be true that the law cannot make a man love me, but it can keep him from lynching me, and I think that's pretty important also. So there is a need for executive order, there is a need for judicial decrees, there is a need for civil rights legislation on the local scale within states and on the national scale from the federal government. May we honor Tyree Nichols' life today by agreeing that this culture, our culture, will do something so it never arrived to the state of Georgia. For a moment of silence, Mr. Speaker, if you don't mind. Mr. Speaker, I yield the will. That was House Minority Leader Democrat James Beverly inside the House of Representatives earlier today. We're back with more after this. More Ron Show on America One Radio after this. Oh, hey, you're still here. Hey, that's cool. Thanks for sticking around. Not only am I host of The Ron Show, I'm also Ron Roberts, real estate agent slash realtor with EXP Realty. That's right. I help folks buy and sell residential real estate in and around Metro Atlanta. And we've been through a crazy couple of years, have we not? Between COVID, the post-COVID market, the craziness, you could throw an open house on a souped up tool shed and you would have cars lined around the block to come in and see it and throw an offer well over asking price. Well, those days are no longer a part of us and interest rates are a little higher than they were before. But I must say, it's still a great time to either buy or sell or both real estate, residential real estate in Metro Atlanta. Why buy? I tell tenuous buyers all the time, if you are renting right now, you are paying someone else's retirement accounts your money. 
and it might as well go to you. The cost of housing in Atlanta is not going to get cheaper. The population is going to continue to grow well into the 2040s, with nearly a million and a half new residents expected to come here. So you better get a house sooner rather than later. And if you can afford to buy an investment property, now if you already own your home, why not buy one nearby you as well and create some additional income that could be your retirement savings and you get to choose one of your new neighbors. Now, if you're thinking about selling, but you're thinking, oh man, I really missed out on that huge market in the past summer or two. Okay, yeah, sure. But the values aren't dropping. So you still got plenty you've earned just by owning what you're in and need to sell soon. Got questions? Feel free to hit me up. 843-283-0078 or email me ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720. Website ronontheReal.com. That's me, Ron Roberts with eXp Realty.